sadly unable to get an introduction from Barack Obama this week, welcome to Hand of Pod. United States of America is in the city. In fact, he's only a few blocks away from here. But unfortunately, my attempts to get him to introduce Thunderpod uh, were uh, they, they fell on deaf ears. Um, so you're stuck with me. I'm Sam Kelly. Welcome back, ladies and gents, to Thunderpod, the internet's finest English language football, Argentine football podcast. Oh, that's not gone too far. Almost tripped over my words and. Uh, boosted us up a little bit too much there. Um, I'm joined this week in his living room, first of all, by Peter Coates. Hello. And also in Peter's living room by Andres Bruckner. Hello. Uh, I, I admit, uh, Twitterly talking, that uh, I didn't know that the account of the President of the United States that is staying tonight here in Buenos Aires, uh, he, that his account uh, was... I wasn't afraid of it because, of course, uh, I didn't care so much. But now I am, uh, I do care, and that his account is, of course, the the letters for President of the United States, which are altogether the the the, uh, the letters of the starting letter of every word. Ah, POTUS, yeah. Yes, but uh, I laugh about that because it was strange to read, to read POTUS and uh, that it was his account. It's it's the officer's account, I believe. Yeah, yes, the, he's got he his own personal account, and that is the yes. Yeah. Hopefully, in three years' time, we're not going to be talking about an, another visit from POTUS Trump. Um, <laughs> but you never know. If you are listening to us from the United States of America, please vote sensibly this year because the rest of the world is uh, hanging on that election as well. But without further ado, first of all, let's uh, or indeed because we're not really going to talk any more at all about the. Uh, the United States um, elections, so therefore, not first of all, but just let's move on to the actual subjects of the podcast. Um, I'm going to read out the results from the weekend just gone, and there are even more goals than there were a couple of weeks ago, because this last weekend we had 52 goals in 15 matches, um, which is the highest average per match that we have had so far in the season, which is really saying something given how many goals there have already been this season. The results were as follows. Arsenal de Sarandí, nil. Gimnasia y Rima La Plata, one. Aldo Civi, two. San Martín de San Juan, two. Estudiantes, two. Defensa Justicia, one. Belgrano, two. Dennis Sarsfield, three. Colón in the Clásico, nil. Unión de Santa Fe, three. Argentinos Juniors, nil. Atlético, de, Atlético Tucumán, three. Godoy Cruz, one. Olimpo, nil. Independiente, two. Patronato, one. Quilmes, 3, San Lorenzo, 0. River Plate, 1, Banfield, 1. Huracán, 4, Tempele, 2. Lanús, 2, Boca Juniors, 0. Rosario Central, 1, Sarmiento, 0. Atlético de Rafaela, 3, Racing Club, 6. It's happened again. And Tigre, 3, Newell's Old Boys, 3. Um, 
the obvious place to start there is is with uh, one of the matches on Monday night. When I say it's happened again, what I mean is not only that Racing have won another away game 6-3, but it's in the province of Santa Fe as well. Have they got any more away games in the province of Santa Fe left this season? Let me just have a very quick look. I don't think they have. They can't have, can they? If they have, then bet all of your money on it right now. Um, no more matches at all in the province of Santa Fe for the rest of the season. Um, so unfortunately... Interestingly, the other one, they lost 5 now to New York. Yeah, they did, didn't they? Yeah, that's a good, yeah. So they've, they're, they're, their results in Santa Fe province so far this season have been 0-5, 6-3, 6-3. It's just a shame Newells didn't get one more because then it would sound like a fantastic set of, of tennis. Well, it would sound like eight tennis results. Um... But never mind. Um, did either of you catch that match? Because I wasn't watching it. Yeah, I, I was. I mean, not intently, but I had it on. I, I was just playing football myself when uh, these goals came to, to well, happen. Uh, well, there must be something particular in Santa Fe because you, you have mentioned that both matches uh, between Union and Racing and, well, of course, Atletico Rafaela because... Uh, both in the same province, uh, happened there in Santa Fe. Mm. There's something, something particular there. Some something in the water. Yeah. Is there anything sensible that we can say about it, though, Peter? As somebody who was watching it. Uh, I mean, yeah. Racing's defence still needs some work, clearly. But yeah, the attack think, doesn't, um, clearly. Yeah, well, I think they're the two. <laughs> but I mean, the, the thing that stands out most to me, and as I say, I didn't see any of the match because there was a building meeting. Um, about our gas problem. That, that's not that I've got wind or anything, it's just that we don't have any gas in the building at the moment. Um, the thing that stands out to me looking at the result when I saw it afterwards was that Racing conceded three goals to Atletico de Rafaela. Atletico de Rafaela are shite. Yeah, yeah, well. Well, that, that's the worrying part of the uh, of, of, of Racing campaign uh, because it happened twice, but, but in the other hand, of, of course, Ava was worried about it and said, I, I hope this never happens again. Uh, of course, he meant about the three goals they conceded, but on the other hand, if you say, well, if I will always uh, score more goals than my rival, why is it so terrible? Of course, you may say, but you won't, you never will, or, or you won't have, uh, score six goals every match, and you may concede three. Uh, but it shows, of course, uh, the power of. Uh, of the of the strikers of the Sandro Lopez who is of course on fire, uh, Bo, um, and also Nair who is playing really well. All of the of the strikers, the ones that are starting lineup in a starting lineup, and the ones that jump into the into the matches when when in the second half or so, are are doing a great job. So mm. it's uh, if if talking about this, of course, the point of view of a supporter, you may if you think about. Scoring 12 goals in two matches is something also strange. We apologise for the elephants who appear to uh, be walking through the corridor somewhere in Peter's building. Um, anything else to, to I think say? The, 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 difference with Rassic, the difference in Racing's defence with and without, without uh, Lola is significant. Mm. And these remarkable scorelines in as much as how many goals Racing conceding and not coincidentally No, Lolo means playing Nicolas Sanchez and Vitor, right? Yeah. yeah. Vitor is clearly not uh, Lolo. Uh, I thought, even, uh, even though I thought he would play better and he's 
even in Copa Libertadores, he has shown a performance, uh, not that good performance. Yeah. Um, but yes, it's the the, the 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 two points of the of the the two sides of the of the, the defense on the on the on the attack and they are doing poor poorly. Uh, what is it? No, Karen, I'm, I don't know whether you guys can hear that, but I, I've got, I have earphones on, I can hear what the microphone's picking up, and we can hear Mr. Obama's helicopter going across now. Carry on, Andres, sorry, this is becoming a very Barack Obama-heavy podcast. <laughs> no, it's it's clear that uh, has something to do with uh, the obvious thing, and that w- which Peter has has said, has uh, just said about the uh, Lolo, uh, his absence, it's... It's uh, as important as it, as it was, for example, for River, the the, the sole sell of uh, Funes Mori to, to Everton. Uh, uh, with with him, we we didn't realize about his importance when uh, until he left River, and the same is happening to Racing with Aguilaro. Uh, you sh- you see him play well, but uh, you don't notice the difference until he he became injured. Hmm. Um. Moving on then through the big five as a whole, uh, let's next talk about uh, which way around shall we do this? Let's go to Boca um, first of all, because there's not really very much to say about Boca than that we haven't already said in recent weeks. So they should be fairly easy to get out of the way, um, and indeed fairly easy to get out of the way as Hal Lanús found them um, on Sunday evening. Two very very quick goals. Lanús were two 0 up before the match was four minutes old, and then just sort of seemed to take it easy on their old boss maybe I don't know um, Boca were again not very good were they yeah even being two yards down there wasn't all that much of a reaction I think other than Ladero hit the crossbar with a free mm. kick there wasn't that many occasions well, I think they had a, I think the stat came up I'm not just saying I can't remember I think that somebody tweeted uh, at full time that, that Boca hadn't had a single effort on target in the second half um, when it was 1-0 I think that Tevez had a, a, a clear situation yeah. with uh, Monetti that couldn't uh, take advantage of it um, but it shows of course the, 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 the actual uh, state of Boca as a team you mean Tevez in all times would have uh, took that opportunity into, into the net and uh, well, would have meant uh, Boca recovery but uh, it's just what is happening to Tevez and, of course, the, 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 the way they create the opportunities. Because it was only that and the, well, the free kick that Lodeiro hit in the bar. But then it is a, it's a no-reaction team, a team that uh, doesn't uh, take any risks and can't create uh, chances or, or, or thinking on, on, on how they create the chances. Because I think it was yesterday or the day after, uh, before yesterday, that Barros Atleto was angry at the, on, the, on the players, uh, shouting on them, saying, don't uh, uh, do any, any shitty crosses or don't uh, <laughs> yeah. try to think and, and, and do the passes you, the necessary passes you may do to, to, to create the, 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 the real, the, uh, really dangerous situations. Not only uh, shut the cross and, 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 and wait for another player to to score a, a lucky goal, uh, something like that. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is that a lot their build-up play is very ponderous. It, there's not really any changes of tempo. It, it, they see they're still seeing quite a lot of the ball in these matches, but 
so slow and yeah then yeah. Gustavo also had a, a like a, a strong uh, attitude saying I can't stop the the training session every two minutes like saying you are doing all wrong and there are players that that they can produce something from that and there are players that could become also angry and say mm-hmm. well but you are you aren't uh, you you two, two you two are, are doing your your show not in a bad in in, in a good way because uh, if not uh, we we should have uh, got better results it's uh, it's uh, of course a, a work or a job they they are doing between the coaches and and, and the players together of course mm. and that the news as well obviously normally we sort of try and cover the big five in one go and then talk about the others but we're talking about the news here too um, having lost 2-1 away to Racing the previous weekend, we sort of said last week that this was going to be a chance for them to show what they were made of and, and how did they react to adversity. And, well, they reacted pretty well, albeit we were expecting them to be tested a bit more sternly, I think, by, by Boca. Yeah, I think they're in... But you can't say much better than going 2 up in four minutes and... Uh... No, and then, look, and then comfortably lick defending. I mean, there was a really good opportunity to go through the lap before half-time as well, really. But I got maybe we all went one on one with um, Orion. Mm. But although Bilardo used to say that two 0 is the worst result because they convert the 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 two one the other team uh, narrows the the distance, then it is easy for them to get the draw. But I really I do believe that uh, of course uh, winning two 0 uh, in in any minute is good. But they had. 86 minutes to go still, so uh, uh, it's not that they converted the 2-0 when there was there were 15 minutes to go, but yeah. 86. Yeah, I, mean, I, w- I was expecting some kind of reaction, and it just never came, and yeah, I think you're right to point out that credit should go to Lanús yes. um, as much as we all sit here and, and sort of laugh or criticise Boca. Also being left out of criticised elsewhere in the Big Five this week, San Lorenzo. Kielmes hadn't won a match in 2016 and had scored before the other day. Hang on a second, where are they? Had scored nine goals in six matches and they beat San Lorenzo 3 0. How did that happen? Because San Lorenzo still can't defend, basically. Yeah? Those are the the things that you can't explain easily uh, because Kielmes players even didn't concentrate because they. Uh, the, the, the the club uh, owes four months salary to, to the players mm. and a, a team that is with their uh, play, players that are with their heads on the money because uh, as a player pointed out I don't remember now the, 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 his name said that there are players that can't that it's not that they can't go go on vacation that they are they have difficulties to get out to 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 make it at the end of the month uh, so yeah we're, we're not talking about a league where players paid such an enormous amount that they all already own their own homes and have flashy cars and everything. We're talking about a league where in many cases these guys are getting sort of a decent amount more than the average worker but nowhere near as much of a difference as in England or in Spain or Italy or Germany. Um, and some of the younger players particularly who are still renting places, uh, as you say, are going to be struggling to make it to make rent payments and whatnot. We, we hear stories not infrequently in Argentina about players partly you know, threatening to go on strike because they can't pay the rent unless they're because they've not been paid by the club for such a long time. And that team 
sometimes you they they you you say sometimes well they uh, get uh, strength from you know you don't know where and they beat a, a, a bigger team like San Lorenzo but they are they are thinking on the Copa Libertadores and they get the situation and all that that is repeated all the time about the coach and and, and that of course makes something on the confidence and and, and well it's like that. So shame that Mariano's not been able to make it for a while because I saw him tweeting during the match, very shortly after Kilmes went three 0 up, um, that Gede had to had to leave. Ah, now, okay. which seems very early on the one hand, but on the other, the defence really isn't getting any better. Well, and on the other, if they were taking the Libertadores by storm, you might say, well, okay, it's quite clear where their focus is and the results in the Primera. They're struggling as well, but they're you know they're really up against it to qualify for the knockout stages in the Libertadores. Yeah. Now, if you take into account if they to get they if they were to go out in the group stage and drop too many points here, where they're already going to be out of contention of getting a Libertadores spa- spot via the league, then it's absolutely disastrous opening six months of 2016. It is. I'm just trying to bring up their standing in the Libertadores now. Um, Unfortunately, the only website that I know that does an easily navigable stat section takes quite a long time to load, so bear with me for one second. Just entertain yourselves for the moment. I'll tell you, where, can you remember which group San Lorenzo are in? Six, yeah. San Lorenzo, after... Four, four matches are in third place in Group 6 and the team top of Group 6 um, have a game in hand over them as do the team bottom of Group 6 at the moment the Group 6 standings are Toluca on 7 with 3 games played Gremio on 5 with 4 games played San Lorenzo on 3 with 4 games played and Liga de Quito on 3 with 3 games played and should point out that the problem the, the real problem with this is that San Lorenzo's must win game their penultimate game is yeah. away to Toluca yes yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Um, so it's tricky in both situations for them because the defeat to Quilmes leaves them seventh in Group 1 uh, on 12 points, only five behind Central, but with the significant difference that Central are playing really very well indeed, um, San Lorenzo aren't. Um, so it's, it's tricky for them all around. Another team struggling for form, and another big five team struggling for form, we're talking about several of them at the moment, uh, Rilla Plate. Um, we're saving you a lot till last, Peter, because they managed to win. So I oh, still sort of struggling. But uh, well, we'll get on to that in a second. But Riva um, ended up celebrating the draw, which Marcelo Gallardo was pretty disappointed with his players for doing that. Um, but it was thanks to a 92nd minute equaliser from Lucas Alario. Um, both goals were headed. Santiago Silva's opener for Banfield that was beautiful. It has to be said. Um, lovely sort of. Well, it wasn't quite a diving header, was it? Dove after. Yes, he, he dived main, after. But it was a sort of... Oh, what's yeah. the word? I don't know. Um, falling leaf header, let's say, to, to steer the turn from Garincha's old free kicks um, into the top corner. And Alario managed to nod it in in, the, in stoppage time um, to rescue a 1-1 draw. 
there's all sorts of stuff at the moment. Gashard was saying even today that the problem isn't with the way the team's set up, the problem's with, with the players, the mentality or something or other. Um, the defence clearly isn't helping because River continue to have injury problems. Eduardo Espalanta wasn't playing again, was he, on Sunday? Um, oh, he was playing, sorry, yes, he was. He managed to play, in fact, the whole game after having to go off in La Paz last week. Um, but Mamana and Balanta is... is Mamana was the one of... injured that much. Ah, that's right, yes. That, I knew that was a centre-back and picked up an injury, thank you. Um, and he was subbed at half-time for, for Gonzalo Martinez, with River obviously needing to, to look for, I, I guess they sort of were thinking of going to a back three or something with... Must Ponce, have been the yes, thinking, yes. Must or have been with Poncio there again, I think, uh, because it was yeah. Machada as a right back. Then uh, Mercado, I think he went to the to to the position he knows because he originally played as a as a first uh, center back. Mercado wasn't playing. No. No. Oh, Mercado was injured. Remember, he's, uh, oh, okay. he's okay to join up with Argentina, but he wasn't he wasn't taking part here. Um, but that lack of solidity in defence, I think, is. is meant that River haven't been able to focus on getting things together going forward. I, I, I sort of can't help feeling that if Balanta hadn't got injured in the first match of the season, and if he and Maidana had had a good run together alongside each other for the last couple of months, we'd be seeing a much more fluid River all over the pitch now, because they wouldn't have to be worrying about chopping and changing at the back so much. Well, Alvaro Solanta case is just a symbol of what was happening with River, because every time he, he tries to get back from the, the injuries, he injures again, yeah. gets injured again. It happened three times and I heard, and, and of course it was a, a rumor or something not uh, uh, conf- confirmed officially that there were board members that were just disgusted with this situation. Uh, come on, what ha- what's happening with the player that every time he he's uh, ready to, to get back, he, he gets injured again. Yeah. Uh, and it's something that is... Of course, happens with players that aren't are uncomfortable, that are uh, have something with something mental. I, I I said this last time, and I I repeat it now because it's strange that uh, Maidana, Mamana, Alvarez Balanta, the three center backs that are uh, rotating into the first team are are having these problems. Then you have Vega, which is a kid and who is a kid and, and is not confirmed as a as a normal uh, center back there in the in the in the team yeah um, and, uh, yeah, and it's, it's it's a particular shame i feel like you know in my dad's case i mean he's a bit older he's had one or two injuries but by and large he's fairly solid but in balanta's case particularly he, he's at that kind of age where if this is if he's going to stop getting these kind of injuries all the time it needs to happen like now right otherwise you get the impression his entire career is going to end up being blighted by them um, which would be a real shame. My man is, is still obviously a little bit younger and, and can uh, hopefully build himself up and, and get over them. But Balanta's now at the age where his, his body should be tightening up a bit, let's say, yeah. and, uh, and, and he should be stopping getting these injuries theoretically. But and about, apart from these, from the, the, the several problems that River has defensively, uh, you have apart from that, of course, the, 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 the attack problems, which. They attack untidily, not clearly, not uh, uh, not uh, 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 taking advantage of the not a lot of situations they create. Uh, and well, uh, and, and apart from that, Gashard is clearly angry with this 
the way the team is playing, uh, he he was uh, she shouted at Mora saying, well, if you don't play the every ball as as if as if it was the last one, I will quit. I, I will take you out of the of the team. Mm. Then the, 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 what you pointed out uh, when River get got the draw or in, with only one or two minutes to go. The, the, the players celebrating and uh, he said what are you celebrating if you we can't win and we are uh, getting far from the from the leadership now river and boca both are, are nine points eight points sorry or boca is six i think uh, no see. eight points river, both river on nine, uh, nine and eight boca yes. are on eight points away eleven no, away from the leaders oh away sorry yes there yeah boca have eleven the leaders of their group have got nineteen River have got nine, and then we just there. River Central with seventeen, so yes, uh, both eight points behind. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with what you were saying. Is that River's main problem seems to have been a lack of continuity this season, and not just in in in, and in defence has been the most obvious point with all the injuries. But I don't think Yashala has been able to name the same side for more than one one game. He's not been able to ever name an unchanged side. Yeah. And as a result, you're, we're this far into the season, and you're not really quite sure what what's River's best, what's River's best team. Who who comes into the midfield? Like you know, mm. Martin has played. Is Alessandro now? Is where does he fit into this? And that's a problem, I think. When yeah, what what is difficult to understand is the time in which these things happen because we have talked talked a lot about the post Libertadores winning. Uh, Relax that they had uh, that happened also to San Lorenzo. Uh, now it's like change the the the, the chip, like mm. we say here, cambiar the chip to uh, get back to the work and, and try to repeat or well at least try to play better than they did in the second part of 2015. And now it's even worse than that uh, than that part of the of the year because. Uh, uh, I don't remember having in the second semester of 2015 to have a lot of uh, or so much uh, so many injuries like 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 here like 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 now. Mm. So it's even better, even worse. Yeah. Um, the remaining member of the Big Five uh, were Independiente, who got a 2-1 win over Patronato de Parada after suffering a bit of a first half scare, which means that I'm initially uh, the first thing I'm going to ask to Independiente fan Peter is, Peter, was referee Patricio Nostel your man of the match? Well, I mean, his decision was certainly the decisive in the outcome of the game, without question. And it was certainly wrong. Um, Although it must be said that about two minutes, this was given on the very stroke of half-time, we should mention, we should explain. Uh, a penalty was given because, I want to say, according to the referee, uh, Walter Andrade had pushed over. Uh, was it better? It was like an, yeah, a, 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 an arm put into the face. Yeah. Of, of it was sort of well, he sort of turned around and his yeah. arm was raised a bit, and, and that was the second yellow card apparently as well. So the referee wasn't giving the penalty for an elbow because that would have been a straight red, um, and that was sort of widely held to be incorrect. But I think to even it up, it's only fair after making the joke, of course, a minute ago. Uh, but it's only fair to mention that also Independiente should have had a penalty for handball about two minutes after half-time, uh, which the referee waved away and had a similarly good view of. Maybe to even things up a little bit. But, but even, um, even though, of course, the decision was polemic or was wrong, you are an Independiente supporter, 
but it's wrong to say that he awarded the penalty to Independiente and he sent off the player because the he he got a yellow card. Exactly. Yeah. He was already. Uh, Which is why I say it wasn't for the elbow because yes. if it had been for the elbow, then it would have been a straight red rather than yes. a second yellow. You would assume. Um, but anyway, Peter, sorry to having to uh, interrupted you to explain. Um, what did you make of Independiente's performance? How did the refereeing decisions affect it? And and how sort of optimistic are you so far? Because you've not uh, been on for a couple of weeks. So. I mean, f- firstly. The, the, the penalty decision, the red card, undoubtedly changed <laughs> changed the game because up until that point, Padronato were fairly comfortable. They'd obviously taken the lead, and although Independiente was seeing a lot of the ball, difficult to sort of point to any any real opportunities. Um, second half, after obviously going in un, undeservedly level, and then coming out in the second half with a man advantage was more or less one way mm. one way traffic but again without creating a huge amount of chances I mean it was consistent pressure but Batoli didn't have a huge amount to do um, so it, you know, it was, was not a convincing convincing result at all um, and then I think question marks still remain over the side because although it's, it's now three three wins on the trot which obviously put Independiente back up the table and just below Godoy Cruz and Central now. Um, it's it's basically been when the fixture business after a very difficult opening first few fixtures we're now getting some of the weaker sides and kind of just doing enough to one way or another to get these victories but not really performing well. And I think the same could have been said for the win over Cologne, even though that was four one, was very flattering. Um, and then I can't remember the other one, but there was a, there was a similar thing. In fact, last week without you, we were making the point that Independiente's poor run came during a particularly tr- tricky run of fixtures, and since then they've they've taken advantage of the good ones. And I mean, what I was saying was maybe they'll they'll be able to get some momentum going. But so far they seem to be stumbling a little. The the win in between was three one against Banfield, which again was deserved, but not overly convincing. There's long periods of that game where you. With kind of thing, this could go either way, and and um, and obviously again in that, in even in that, that was another decision which was replayed a million times at the goal line. Was it or wasn't it a goal that Banfield weren't awarded? Um, so the crucial decisions that have gone independent in way in the last two games um, have obviously helped the result. But no, then we never played very well. Um, and Pellegrini has been criticised because he's yeah. uh, leaving Dennis in the bench sometimes. Yeah, I mean, he, he let. He, I think the problem that Pellegrino and Independiente have is how do you the ball is getting to Dennis, for example, when he's in the in, in the. <laughs> What's the formation? What's the team? How do you fit all of these players in? Because mm-hmm. they've signed, they've made some very good signings, but when you take, for example, just the just the strikers, if we just take that for a second, you've got Vera, Dennis. Uh, they bought Lisan, uh, Leandro Fernandez from Godoy Cruz. Who was on the bench who, on uh, Saturday? Yeah, he's basically been on the bench more or less the whole time. Remember, Albert Engel's going to be coming back at some point. Oh, from his injury. Um, so it's basically four four strikers who, majority of the Primera teams, would, would be the number one striker. Um, now, to accommodate for that, Okay, Independiente now have to play two two strikers, which we weren't really doing before. Which 
the, the supporters are sort of saying, okay, give us Ben and Dennis. But then you're left with, okay, well, what, how do you put a midfield around two strikers? Because yeah. then it's very difficult to play Martin Benitez. And you end up with Cristiano Rodriguez on the bench, as he was on Saturday. Rigoni, exactly. which most people would say... And Rigoni, who's been one of the best players so far this season. Rigoni, Rodriguez and Benitez, both, all of them, you, can, you could put them in the same, perhaps... Position well, I think the thing is, is that you probably would play with a, with one striker. You probably would play Sebosha, Martin Benitez, and Rigoni as three behind one striker. But with mm. two strikers, that's yes. very attacking to play those three and two strikers. Yes. Because you're then going to be playing with one cent, one defensive midfield player in the back could, four. Well, you could play a three, two, three, two, but then you're going to get to football manager. Sort of, yeah. Let's try. Yeah, you, you should put there. And I wouldn't be too confident. Play, play three at the back. Um, Not with Independiente's defence, you wouldn't, would you? So, so it's very difficult. I mean, I think the supporters are asking, we want this, we want these players, these players, these players to play. But there, it's not an it's not an easy system to fit all of them in, basically. Yes. So I think Pellegrino's struggling to to juggle that. Yes. Mm. Keeping that that formation, you should put Ortiz and perhaps Diego Rodriguez in the middle, and then three defenders because, of course, you have five attacking players. Yeah. And yes. No, no, no right or left midfielders. Only three defenders, two centre mid- midfielders, and then all attacking. I, mean, I think one of the criticisms that Pellegrino has is that people not balanced. Yes. Not balanced, but he's also quite de- de- cautious and defensive in his approach. And I, I don't always agree with that. But I thought when Patronato went down to ten men, that would have been a, a good opportunity to say okay well let's bring Rigoni on or Sebosha but sacrifice one of the defensive midfield players because he has the tendency to always play mm. with a double five sure. and okay I can understand playing a double five as River did or have done in the past year under Gishala to, to great effect in must win games but perhaps against the weaker sides it's not always necessary even more so against yeah, men. Yeah, to, to play to with play. Diego Rodriguez and Jesus Mendes. Yeah, well, I mean, Jesus Mendes is more attacking as well than previously. Jesus Mendes is when he just came back into the team. Yeah. And previously it was... The but he's still... Yeah, exactly. But, deep lying and, and, and against before. ten men. Yeah, I, I know what So, um, that's the, the problem. But, I mean, as you say, hopefully with just getting the wins, it does build some momentum and at some point you'd hope that they settle upon a team and find some form. Very briefly, and just my own curiosity, really, but you happy with Droopy Gomez so far? Not, re- not really, but I mean... No. I mean he's I, he's I, caught my eye on a couple of occasions, but he seems to be very sort of flashing in and out. And I, on the one hand, I've been um, sort of surprised that he hasn't looked completely out of place at Independiente, because with Argentinos he was you know, one of the bigger talents, but wasn't consistent enough. Um, and on the other, you kind of think, is he still not consistent enough for I just a think, higher level, let's say, than Argentinos were operating at? I think he's a very good player, and I think we saw that with Gilmez last season, where he was perhaps their best player mm. when they had that great run under the summer, which is obviously the reason why Independiente suddenly thought, oh, hang on a second, let's not send him out on loan, let's, let's bring him back and, and keep him. The problem with that then is now trying to fit him into a system because I think what Sarah had at Gilmez playing him as like a sort of free enganche yeah. he was able to just go forward support Claudio Vila and get into those spaces and now he's suddenly being told well, we want you to play on the right the right wing and he, 
he does go missing, drifts out of the games and isn't able to have that impact. And I think that's where he's struggling to hold down a, hold down a place. He comes in, doesn't really impress, and he's more often than not the first person to get taken on. Okay. Um, and I think that's going to continue to be the case because he's not going to... With the likes of Sibosh and Martin Benitez, mm. he's not going to ever be the person who they're saying, right, let's give Come him that. the centre, yeah. yeah. Um, elsewhere, both of the most impressive teams so far uh, in Group 2, I say both, really, they're a sort of... Sorry, Group 1 is what I meant to say. Yeah, so there are about two, aren't there? Um, both got 1-0 wins. So in this very high-scoring weekend, it turns out that the best thing that you can do is to keep a clean sheet and stick one goal in at the right end. Godoy Cruz beat Olimpo at home 1-0 and Rosario Central got a 1-0 win over Sarmiento, which I guess was really important for Central after they lost surprisingly away to Patronato um, the weekend before. What do we make of, of those two at the moment? They're both top of group, joint top of group one uh, with 17 points, three points ahead of Independiente. Um, Arsenal and Ignacio both have 13, but Central and Godoy Cruz we're nearly halfway through the group stage now. Actually, sorry, we're more than halfway through the group stage now, aren't we? Um, who do we think is going to top it? Is it between those two? Can anybody else join them? Well, about Rosario Central, what I can say is that they, they are continuously playing Copa and, and, and Campeonato, and that, of course, make of the players uh, physically be not so 100%. And they play against a team whose coach is Ricardo Caruso Lombardi, who we know that he he used to set uh, difficult play, uh, teams and, and, and hard teams, even though that he always uh, brings a, a great show for that we, we, we can say there after that that uh, he, what he what he said or what he did about the media, but then about the teams he usually puts in the in the in the, in the in the pitch, it's, it's always hard to beat, mm. and I think Rosario Central in this case, of course, suffered suffer this, because uh, 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 clearly uh, playing against Rosario Central in a away condition man, means for a team that has already changed, has recently changed the, the coach to uh, mostly defend the, 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 the against that team, which who is one of the best in in a, in, a, in the league. For some context here. On Caruso Lombardi, what we will say is that San Miento um, have won one match so far in 2016. Uh, that was on the opening day of the season, 1 0 at home to Vélez Southfield. And after that, under Sergio Lippi, uh, they drew one and lost four. And those were against, the defeats were against San Lorenzo, Gimnasia, Arsenal, and Belgrano, and the draw was at home to Quilmes. Since Ricardo Caruso Lombardi took charge, and I'm on record, as very long-term listeners of the podcast will know, as uh, thinking that Ricardo Caruso Lombardi is a raging asshole and a, a somewhat of an overrated manager, albeit he sets his teams up to be very difficult to beat. Since Car- Caruso Lombardi took charge, uh, Sarmiento have played two matches, and those two matches have been against the two teams who we just mentioned as being the two best in the league. Godoy Cruz and Rosario Central. And his record so far is drawn one and lost one, with no goals scored, but with only one goal conceded. And I think it's fair to say that if Lippi had stayed in charge for these two matches, they would probably not have got any points from them. Um, and 
quite possibly would have lost by more than one nil against Central. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's being too generous or, or too harsh um, on either manager to say that those two games could have gone very differently for them. Um, for some reason, after the Central uh, defeat, Carlos Lombardi was uh, met at a petrol station by Ole were reporting this as a group of Sarmiento fans, but I had my suspicions and did a bit of Googling a few minutes ago, um, and it does turn out to be by the Sarmiento Barra Brava. Former Barra Brava. Former? Yes. That's uh, just as bad as... I, I read that they, has, they had contacts with the, with the board members and they could go to the... I don't know if they, in this case to the, to the stadium, because, of course, they were boy fans. Yeah. Uh, but they are they are cons- uh, they they are they have access to the to the matches and to the team because they have contact with the with the board members as, yeah. as former uh, supporters that yes know the the team and that. And anyway, Caruso let Caruso sort of waded in and had to be dragged away, kicking and screaming by his, his technical team, and uh, was going to fight them, which puts him up a notch in my book. If you're going to try and fight the Barras, because uh, they're not nice people, as we all know. Um, but all the same, going to have a word with him after they've just lost to the best team in the country, that's a bit... And they're not yeah, the best team in the country. Well, I think he reason. said that because his version of events afterwards was something along the lines of that they were taking some photos with some people at this petrol station and then someone came up behind him and kind of said, you better improve the results, sharpish. <laughs> to which he turned around and started, are you threatening me or along those lines? And, okay. And... Um, then well, he said he doesn't understand this because... He's taking into account the fact they're Barras. What a stupid comment to make. He's playing Godoy Cruz and Rosario Central. Yeah, and, he, and that's what his, his response was that. Yeah. Um, yeah. They only conceded one against Rosario Central, which was a pretty decent result. So um, They're at home to Independiente next weekend, so... Yeah. Chance for... Yeah, well... Bloody nose, Peter, maybe? Or, um, we'll see. Uh, but anyway, so some rare sympathy from from me on Handapod, obviously... Other panellists have given Carlos Lombardi some sympathy. On many occasions, uh, I have not. But on this occasion, well done him. Uh, the other best team, of course, uh, in the other group, Lanús, are on 19 points, and we've already talked about them. But Estudiantes, after winning the La Plata Clásico the week before, um, they did pretty well. I forgot what they have done now, actually. I really hope they did do quite well, otherwise I look foolish. They beat Defensa Justicia 2-1, um, and that was okay. Fabian Bordogaray scored again for Defensa Justicia, which, if he carries on like this, he's going to get called up for the national team, isn't he? Uh, I'm being sarcastic. He's not a very good player. No, but Lanús, great performances, and, and particularly Dr. Acosta, good performances, made him be called up as an emergency call because mm. Dybala has been sent out from the, from the staff because he hasn't recovered from the injury. Any other notable... Oh, we should talk about the Santa Fe Clásico a little bit, shouldn't we? Um, we always say, prior to the Santa Fe Clásico, although we forgot to say it last week, that it is the Clásico that is always least or most likely to not finish. Um, the Rosario, Rosario's may be up there as well, but the Santa Fe Clásico has actually been called off on a number of occasions in the last few um, times it's been played. But on this occasion it did finish just about, although it arguably shouldn't have done, um, because... Union goalkeeper Nereo Fernandez was hit by a stone thrown from the crowd behind his goal. Um, or, no, sorry, it wasn't hit, was it? Because if you have been hit by that, yeah, head, it was killed him. Uh, it was huge. He was almost hit by it. He, by two of them, in fact, gave them both to the referee. 
and wanted to walk off the pitch. The referee said, look, I'll tell you what, if they throw anything else again now, then I will call the game off. And about three minutes later, they threw something when somebody went to take a throw in and the referee waved play on. Um, the referee in this case is Fernando Espinosa and he should be ashamed of himself. Yeah, Fernandez admitted that he said, no, yeah, come on, let's play. In, in, instead of saying, I can't play with this... Uh, stones coming from the... Oh, Fernandez was the one wanting to play on? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That wasn't the impression. He said that he helped out for the for the referee to, to go on playing. Uh-huh. Uh, because this... So this his, his teammates were trying to... I don't know his teammates, but he himself said, yeah, this this kind of, oh, okay. of, of play, of, of matches, these classicals, we are, go- are meant to be played and we can't feel... Which but means that he's just as big an idiot as the ref. Yes. I mean... And, and the players, the Colomb, the, all the Union players had to run away from the from the pitch because the, the Colón supporters were hitting, were throwing yeah. bottles and, and, and that. The, the win, anyway, was well-deserved. Yeah. Colón were pathetic, Union were quite good. Uh, after the match, uh, very good player and um, sadly not noted enough racist Alan Ruiz um, said that he wanted to leave Colón and then was immediately forced the following day so not really that immediate, but still, um, to say that he had misspoken, he was speaking in the heat of the moment, and he didn't actually mean it, and he loves Colón with all of his heart, and wants to stay there forever, and all the rest of it. Yeah, apparently there were some fights with the, or, or, or argue with, with the Pablo Ledesma, former Boca midfielder, uh, because he said that Ruiz wasn't playing very committed to yeah. the team. Well, Ledesma was certainly playing with, commitment he kicked the goalkeeper in the chest before scoring and thought that Colón had gone 1-0 up and uh, and they didn't because he kicked and, and that was treated afterwards by the commentators as, as polemical controversial was the referee right to disallow this yes of course he was he kicked the goalkeeper in the chest but because of the fact they were saying it was controversial I had looked up and seen the replay and seen the the score given as 1-0 on the screen while they were showing this replay because they didn't bother to correct it when they when it got disallowed and then I'd looked back and sort of you know been on Twitter and reading things and looking up to the match occasionally and all, I think there was another game going on at the same time which I had on YouTube to watch and so it was only when Union's goal went in on the stroke of half time that I looked up and realised that actually that made it 1-0 and not 1-1 I'd spent the previous like 20 minutes under the impression that Colombo were winning 1-0 because they kept on mentioning the controversy and I was thinking well the only thing controversial about that is if they allow it if the referee says no that's not a goal there's nothing controversial about disallowing a goal because you've kicked the goalkeeper in the chest I think that is because he first uh, awarded the goal and then changed his decision yeah, I, I think it's because the commentators are idiots but. and Pablo Lesma was celebrating as I, I think he, it happened to him again because when he was at Boca <laughs> there was another oh there was one wasn't there yeah yes. Uh, the other noteworthy ones, two very noteworthy comebacks. Uh, one in Parque Patricios on Sunday evening when Tempele went two 0 up after half an hour, and uh, Godoy, uh, sorry Godoy Chris, and Huracan were four two up by the fifty second minute. Um, a total of eighteen minutes play, not counting obviously the fifteen minute break for half time uh, between Huracan's first goal and their third go- uh, fourth goal. And indeed, again, not counting the break for half-time, but a total of 14 minutes between Ramon Abila's first and third goals for his hat-trick. Um, no, that's wrong, isn't it? Sorry, 24 minutes. I was miscounting. Um, no, pizza. I don't <laughs> think he should be called that. Do you deserve a call-up from, from the... I'd, I'd like to... Every time 
Juan Chope Avila, and obviously Peter's saying it jokingly, so I'm not directing this particularly to Peter, but every time Juan Chope Avila has a good game, I see people tweeting, if he was playing for River or Boca, Bayern or Barcelona or Real Madrid would be trying to sign him. And every time I want to reply to these people and say no, they wouldn't, because that size club probably do a bit more than one match scouting per half of the year, and therefore know that he has as many shockers as he does good games. Um, it's, it's incredibly annoying. He's just scored a hat-trick against Temperley, and people are going, oh, this guy should be playing alongside Lionel Messi. Come on, be sensible. Anyway, the other really spectacular comeback was from 3-0 down to 3-3 away from home, um, and it was by Newell's old boys away to Tigre. 3-3 is how it finished. Uh, on Monday evening, so again I didn't see it because of the gas conversation, because my neighbours really like shouting at each other. So, gentlemen, can you tell me anything at all about that match? Well, it was a Monday too, so I was... Uh, you were also playing football, yes. Peter, did you say? No, because to be honest, once it got to 3-0, I thought, oh, bloody hell, <laughs> I can't believe Neil's <laughs> going to get, get tonked by Tigre. Um, Newell's really aren't very good, and Tigre aren't very good either, as both of them managed to demonstrate, but that was Pedro Troglio's first game in charge of Tigre, having left no, him was he in charge for that feet. Game. Uh, no, he wasn't. Sorry, he was in the stands. Uh, Fabian Castro was in charge for that game. You're quite right. I saw a tweet afterwards blaming it on Troglio. <laughs> it's like a shift. Why I it it's like a shift between Tigre and Gimnasia because uh, the uh, coaches identified with Gimnasia is now at Tigre and, and the other way around. Uh, Alfaro at Gimnasia and Troglio. Oh, yeah. No, but I mean, just in general, these couple of weeks have been yeah. a, a bad time for the managers in the Premier League. We're only eight weeks in, and this is the eighth team now that have changed. Yeah. I mean, it's a considerable amount. And as we said last week, Falcioni has now officially rejoined Banfield, um, with Claudio Vivas moving downstairs. He gave a very tear-soaked press conference, from what I heard afterwards. Claudio Vivas, that is not Julio Falcioni, who, who's never cried in his life, I suspect. Um, that, I think is all that we're going to talk about in the Primera this week. We're going to take a break, we're going to refill our glasses, and when we come back after this break, um, we are going to talk about the national team, because there are a couple of very, very important matches coming up, which you should not miss, so don't go away. hopefully later tonight, um, or early tomorrow morning, depending on which time zone you're in. Um, they play on Thursday, 8.30 Argentine time in the evening, away to Chile in the uh, World Cup qualifiers, and then next Tuesday at... Does anybody know the time? I've just realised I don't know the time for the Tuesday game. At home to Bolivia on a terrible pitch. I think um, it's the same, the same day. I think also 8.30 I think yeah. you might be right but uh, we shall see on a, on a very bad pitch which was the match that uh, the pitch that uh, Belgrano's 3-2 defeat at home to Belles took place on last weekend um, the 11 is more or less known already Argentina have arrived now in Santiago this evening um, and the 11 as has been training in Buenos Aires or just outside Buenos Aires for the last few days 
seems to be Sergio Romero in goal. Uh, Gabriel Mercado of River Plate. Martin Demichelis. Rogelio... Rogelio Funes Mori. Ramiro Funes Mori. Uh, Marcos Rojo across the back. A midfield of Lucas Piglia, Matias Kranemiter and Eber Banega. And then a forward line of Lionel Messi, Sergio Aguero, who seems to have just won the competition with Gonzalo Higuain, and Angel Di Maria. Um, what do we think of that, guys? Demi Chainis? Uh, well, I think actually Otamendi's trained separately because of his injury, but... And Mosagio's uh, too, so uh, I think it's if uh, Mosagio would have been right, uh, that would have been the choice. But both are... are at least are not uh, perfect to... to no, I mean, I think Otamendi and Funes Mori, to their credit, performed pretty well against Brazil and um, Colombia. Um, and I think out of the players who did train separately this week, Martino said that Otamendi's the one that they're sort of looking at for tomorrow, regardless. Mm. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Otamendi makes it through and we, we just keep the same back too and I'm praying that is the case because the Demichelis and Funes Mori combination um, terrifies me the fact uh, that obviously as, as River fans Andres and I are delighted to see Gabriel Mercado um, in, in the national team but the fact that Gabriel Mercado is the automatic almost replacement for Pablo Sabaleta really undermines the fact that there's not very much depth for Argentina in either of the fullback positions doesn't it? This is my question though, is he, re- is he replacing Zabaleta? Where is Zabaleta there? Zabaleta, we were saying during the break, is, is injured, isn't he? Or doubtful? Or uh, It hasn't been marked he or, wasn't or noticed as, as, as injured. That's what what the, yeah, that's what I mean. He wasn't one of the people I read as being injured, so I don't understand why in a lot of these lineups I'm, I've read saying Mercado to start, because it would suggest that yeah. Martino's just opting to play Mercado over Zabaleta, which would seem odd to me. Is that because Mercado is going to be a bit more defensive, maybe? And I guess he's going to be up against Alexis Sanchez on that flank, possibly. But you'd surely you'd rather have Sabaleta up there, wouldn't you? He's just a better right back, which is what you want. I, I would have thought so. But I mean, you you mean defending uh, defending Alexis Sanchez, or uh, also going uh, and trying to get a, a depth in attack? You mean? Trying to mark Alexis Sanchez, he he knows perhaps uh, Sabaleta yeah, knows no, sorry, better. Exactly. That's, that's what I mean. I mean, just all round, the logic that I could see to it is, if they think Sanchez is going to play left wing for Chile, no, it'll be um, play a more defensive right back. But I would have thought it just makes sense to play the better of the right backs, which is without very much of a doubt, surely is Sabaleta. Um, it looks, by the way, here as if Demi Chelis is going to play ahead of Otamendi because Otamendi is injured. Yeah, I think that was earlier, before Martino's press conference today. Ah, right, okay. In which he so says that Otamendi they're waiting on. Uh-huh. Um, what do we think of this uh, decision to drop, was it Nicolas Gaetan, who played right wing before, and to bring in uh, this, this messy person? Is that going to work? Because <laughs> the team looked quite nicely together against Brazil and against Colombia as we made well, the point last, was last, also week, last week sorry last time when we had the double headers and then the point that I said that I made afterwards was that what Argentina need to do now is to have that togetherness and that team spirit and, and that willingness to work for each other when Messi comes back into the team and not just expect Messi to do it all for them as they were doing before 
So I sort of, obviously, uh, I'm joking when I ask whether we think Messi should be in the team. But the, the intrigue for me in these two matches is going to be how well can they go forward as a unit uh, rather than just giving it to Lionel around the halfway line and see yeah, what he can that, do. That is a difficult question to, to answer because there will be three centre-backs, I see three centre-midfielders like Kranewitter, Vaiglia and Manega who aren't naturally uh, to be associated to have an association with uh, with Messi, for example, uh, it's something that he will have to play with uh, Di Maria and try to assist Aguero, and perhaps only the only two players to 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 be to be in a, in a, an association with, with trying to play because Carabiter, uh, we know that he's a very good player, but isn't a, 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 a of course not saying that Gago should be there, of course not, but. Uh, Gago, I, I remember Gago with the last match uh, of the qualifiers playing at Santiago, the 2012. He made the pass to Messi, who finally converted the goal for the first goal for for Chile Argentina. And uh, in this case, uh, I think Vanega should be the one who also passed the ball to to him, but is not uh, sure to be a, in in a great union, like you said, uh, yeah. to to play together and try to, to make the, the, the play of the team. I guess one thing that you could say about the, that, that midfield three is that Cranavita is obviously coming in for Mascherano because Mascherano is suspended. Yes. Cranavita at least has, in his passing game, a lot more verticality than Mascherano. Mascherano is always sideways or backwards whenever he, he gives the ball to anybody, unless he's playing centre-back, in which case he does start to look forward. Cranavita tries to look for the forward pass when he can do. Um, and so I kind of wonder, I think it is, although we're only changing one name and ostensibly they're both number fives, they're both those deep-line defensive midfielders, um, there is an extra impetus, I think, to Kranovic's play. And so I'm going to be interested to see how well that stands up, particularly because you'd have to assume, at least for the moment, that whilst Kranovic, if his development continues as it has, is going to be the long-term uh, replacement for Mascherano. You'd have to assume that when Mascherano is not suspended anymore, he comes straight back into the team and replaces Granavita, um, yeah. which I think is a shame. But Granavita, with the opportunity to look up and to be making those passes to Messi uh, from deep midfield positions, I think is is encouraging. I would expect Messi to be playing a little further forward as a result of that. I think Manega should should take that uh, that position of, of uh, being a bit more. Uh, uh, a bit ahead of of, of Biglia and, and no, as, as he was, and he was brilliant in the last two qualifiers in the absence of Messi. Benega was probably the player that stood out over the two games. Yeah, to the point where it was almost a four-two-three-one with with Benega because he was playing so much ahead yeah. of uh, it was Biglia and Mascherano, wasn't it? Um, and yeah, he almost changed the formation as a result of it. He was super. Though Biglia yeah. scored against Colombia. No, I, know, I was going to say Biglia as well. If he can carry that that kind of uh, performance through is going to be important because I think that's where we, Argentina have, have sort of missed out when Messi doesn't play is that link between the midfield anyway and we have to say in that his absence it, was, it worked quite well yeah but anyway we have to say that Chile also has some players that won't be there like Vidal uh, Valdivia and Vargas mm. were, are, were uh, stable when well, Chile won the Copa America and then and continue playing and, and 
the only one who will be there that you say yes will be one of the dangerous ones is uh, Alexis Sanchez. Then the other ones is also a question mark. We don't know. Yes, um, or rather no, indeed, we don't. Uh, there is a bit of annoyance in the national team camp with Paris Saint-Germain, who apparently unilaterally pulled Javier Pastore out of international action, which I didn't realise clubs were allowed to do for competitive matches. So I'm not surprised that the AFA pissed off. Normally they'd have had to send him down here and an AFA doctor would have had to confirm he's not OK, as has been the case with a couple of other players. Um, yes, Dybala, who, who came here yeah. uh, from Italy, they said that they will be test- he will be tested here in Argentina, but uh, it was sure that he wouldn't be able to play because he has been injured and the Juventus uh, coach forced him to play against Torino, the, the classic of the of the city, and, and he had to go out because of he, his uh, knock, mm. his bruise was, was even uh, worse, and, and well, uh, now he came here, but he has been sent back to Italy, not, not the way, like you said, uh, Pastore, who, who hasn't even, even travelled. Yeah, as uh, Martino puts it, um, Paris Saint-Germain don't uh, respond to us in the same way that we respond to them. Uh, they're, they're clearly quite irritated with him, um, or rather with, with them. I don't think they're irritated with Pastore himself. Uh, apparently they also tried to get Di Maria pulled out of it. Di Maria's not injured at all. He's going to be starting. I mean, what's all this about? Anyway. Uh, down with Paris Saint-Germain is what we say and the other thing that we say down with this sort of thing too is another bloody new national team shirt when the old one was only used for about five matches at most it's ridiculous there are obviously none of us are going to go out and buy it because we're not idiots but there are people who have very young children or indeed people who are idiots who are going to go out and, and spend however the how much this shirt's going to cost? It's going to be 90 or 100 dollars, more or less. Yeah, it's going to be a ridiculous amount. Yeah, you know, it's 30 euros. Why do you need to release a new one every year for national teams? Yeah, the, the, cl- the club teams take a mental kit, I don't know. Well, uh, club teams the world over are now releasing them on an annual basis, which is yeah, but wrong I think as well. But here it's like and here it's three, done on an annual basis. three versions on an annual basis. Yeah, yeah. And, and it seems to be exacerbated, or at least it seems to be it's done more stupidly because here they do it halfway through the championship. Yeah, River yeah. released their new yeah, yeah. Uh, reserve uh, uh, change shirt a couple of weeks ago and their new home shirt three games into the current season. Um, Estudiantes just released Estudiantes was the team, yeah, who yeah. this week have just announced <laughs> their new one. And it's like, you're halfway through the championship. Why don't you wait until the middle of the year and then do yeah. it at least? I mean, it's, it's, it's stupid but yes, for national but teams I think even more than for club teams because they play so few games yes the, the beginning and the half of the years when people tend to have more money here in Argentina because they they they, uh, they are awarded a, a, like a complimentary salary hmm. and, and they have more money to spend and March is like yeah, come on so it doesn't really work on it doesn't work on a commercial horrible basis and it's also just a very horrible thing to, to do to fans, and as I say, particularly if you're parents of young children or whatever who want the latest shirt all the time, um, or if you're a simpleton who wants the latest shirt all the time as well, um, we apologise. If, if you are a simpleton and you buy the latest shirts, then hand upon doesn't and, be too many. Pre- precisely this one, Again, the, the one that is going to be, uh, I think, uh, uh, put uh, uh, tomorrow is 
very similar to the one that Argentina used in war in France '98 in the yeah yeah, the, yeah. The, the World Cup. And for what it's worth, I, I quite yes. like the design, but yes, like so I said, the old one was so supporters right, that, and they used it for they used it for the Copa America last year for the, a couple of qualifiers they played. The black shorts are back though. That's good. Obviously, that's that's the morally right thing to do. But they can do that without changing the shirt. <laughs> um, listeners' questions now. We'll move straight into them. Uh, La Liga Gav, we've obviously got some on the national side and some on the, the local league this week. La Liga Gav asks, how do you feel Tata Martino is doing with the national side? Personally, I don't think he's up to it. How is he doing? Not good, no. It's not good and no, not, not wrong. It's in the middle right now, I think. He's... Yeah. I think we're starting to see more of an evolution, more of the kind of evolution we wanted to see as soon as he took over from Savela. Partly because of the fact that obviously Messi's not been able to be called up for any of the qualifiers so far, and there, therefore, over some time, during the last couple of qualifiers, he, he, he managed to find some team cohesion to the unit, which wasn't just give the ball to Lionel and see what he can do. Um, when we large, I think he's. I think there's a couple of things like what, like one undoubtedly is poor spell with Barcelona has tainted the view of a huge amount of people. It's a poor spell with Barcelona during which... No, no, no absolutely. There's a mitigating. new record for... And there's mitigating yeah. circumstances anyway, I think, at the time he took over um, for their struggles during that season. So I, I don't personally buy into, oh, he didn't win mm. the La Liga or the Champions League in the season of Barcelona, therefore he's a shit manager. But I do think that that failure has carried has come with him far more than any of his success with Newell's or with Paraguay uh, and, and, and tainted people's view of him. Yeah. Um, but I think this weekend is critical of, of how Martino is, is viewed because two poor results and he's under immense pressure and everyone's saying he's, he's hopeless, get rid of him. And one of those <laughs> matches at least it would, you would think a poor result would be winning by fewer than sort of three goals at home to Bolivia wouldn't you? even yeah. on the state of pitch that the, the Mario Kempis two good results though and I think people will say what you just said about oh yeah, yeah. We're, see- we're now seeing a, a, an improvement so this weekend's a big weekend for, for Martino not just Argentina when Argentina defeated uh, Germany 4-2 was the, the first friendly yeah. uh, he, he played we said whoa yes big change uh, especially about the style of play Comparing to Sabella, who was more practical, more more pragmatic, more trying to be a solid team than to be a, a, a to a team that go, a brings spectacle or something more spectacular. Then uh, when the the Copa America, they Argentina played good and bad uh, matches, especially against Chile was a dull match. Mm. And now in the qualifiers, they started very very bad. Then had a Small recovery or or, or big, uh, depending on how they they will play right now. Because it's also I think it's worth remembering that after four matches of the last qualifying session, people were also saying, oh, "Is Sabella up to this?" Yeah. And he ended up taking it to the World Cup final. Um, I also I also think that um, although I, I do think Martinez makes some very poor decisions and, and ultimately Argentina performed very badly. Demi Chavis is back in the team. Exactly, that being a major one of like, coaxing him back out of retirement for, for some reason. Um, and all, you know, just his, sometimes his selection and his squad selection, his team selection and how Argentina's set up 
but at the, at the same time, I think a lot of his fiercest critics now look back on Sabella with these very rose-tinted glasses um, and act as if Sabella would... And, I, and this isn't a dig at Sabella because he did a very good job, mm. but they seem to be forgetting that the World Cup, when teams did defend in numbers and sit back, Argentina had a yeah, fucking difficult time yeah. struggling with Messi in the team. Yeah. You know, look at Iran, it took a Messi wonder goal at the last minute to do, get a win. Um, but people have forgotten that simply on the basis that Argentina got to the World Cup final and now say, oh, well, Sabella was brilliant. It's, and it, it's the same yeah. people who, you know, some of these people are the same people who, if Ramon Abida actually got bought by Bayern Munich and turned out to be terrible, they'd be going, why did Bayern sign him? I never wanted Bayern to sign him. When in fact, they, that's exactly what they were saying. But there, there are similar some, attitudes. There are some strange decisions about Martino with certain players that you say, well, what happened to him? About, for example, when Iwain, in a certain point, was hasn't been called up, and and people said that it was a punishment because he, some some behaviors, bad behaviors from him. Then, but now it's over. But now it's Garay, the one who could be there, and no one says, no one knows what happened because the Michelis is playing. If Otamendi doesn't arrive to the match, yeah. and Lolo is injured too because another one could have been Lolo. But he's also injured. I think it also helps. A, Iguain's an attacker. People pay more attention to him. And B, he's playing in a far more visible league down here in Argentina because the, the Italian league's actually televised here. Whereas well, Iguain has, here has a clue how Iguain has scored 29 goals. And Baca and, and Dybala have, have both scored 28. Mm. Uh, who are the, the second goal, goal scorers. So it's interesting, interesting how Iguain is playing right now. And well... It's a decision, Iguain or Aguero. You have both there, but Garay is not even called, being called up. It's, and, and even the journalists that cover the national team uh, have no response or no, they don't know how, what happens. Yeah. Uh, next question is from Tom Robinson who asks Where does the latest Caruso Lombardi street fight rate in comparison to his previous brawls? Um, as I kind of said earlier, I think it's more morally justifiable than the previous ones. <laughs> Albeit probably still one that he shouldn't have really got involved in because, you know, he's still a bit of a twat. Uh, gentlemen, any, any addition to that? No, <laughs> then we shall move on. Uh, Rob Brown tweets in to ask if train A leaves the station going at 60 miles per hour and train B leaves one hour later going at 85 miles per hour and their destination is 500 miles away, when will Boca stop being complete and total shit? As we said, when Guillermo Barros Esquilotto was unveiled as Boca manager, um, you're going to have to wait until the middle of the year before they actually start to look like a cohesive unit because, as he himself has said a number of times as well, he's not got any time with the team until that. I mean, right now, of course, he's got like a two-week period, I guess, to really try and drill these guys as hard as he can, but it's still not the same as having a proper pre-season and being able to bring in his own players who who he wants in the team himself. Um so although all three of us here, I know, uh, like to look at Boca suffering and, and point and laugh, well, people, um, people I think say, we have to be fair to him as well and you know, point out it's not his team still. Some people say that uh, Boca played even better with the Rob Arena. <laughs> the other match against Lanús was with 85 minutes to go or 86 since Lanús scored the second goal to try to do something different, uh, at least to try to do something different. If, if you know that you will lose a match well, try to do something. I don't. I don't say uh, try to 
score three goals because it's impossible. I, I guess that that's one thing. Whilst obviously I don't disagree that they were pathetic on Sunday, but there, there's an issue there that is, in that case, when you have a new manager who's been brought in a third of the way into the, the championship, or I'm not going to say season, a third of the way into this half-season season thing that we have... Um, Boca already then have realised, okay, this championship, at least the domestic one, because you never know, they could scramble through the Libertadores and then go a long way in the in the knockout stage of the bat, but at least the domestic championship is a write-off. And therefore, is it worth Baron Sequerotto trying to set up the team, if they fall 2-0 down really early on, to desperately try and scrap for something in that match, or is it more worth him trying to get them to play together and... and move slowly in the way that he's you know take another baby step towards what he's going for even though that means that on Sunday they end up losing this match they're already 2-0 down in anyway I mean when it's a long term process which it has to be when, when he's only just come in as manager I kind of think it's a bit pointless scrapping for every single match when you could alternatively try and get the players to understand you a little better but I don't know who wrote on Twitter of course this but uh, I heard that uh, or read that uh, Barros Escloto had a meeting with the directors or from the ones who manage football at Boca, mm-hmm. and he didn't give a single name of players that he doesn't want. That means that he, uh, well, or, or he will keep the the, 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 the players that are well, right now. Or he's just giving everybody a chance to still play for their places at the moment. You know, if, if he gives five names to the currently regular starters and says, I want them gone in June. The next day, Ole and La Nación sports sections all lead with Barros Aguilotto is at war with these five players, and those five players then the day after that won't play. Don't turn up to training, or they start arguing, or they stop trying, and so I think he's, he's still got to manage it. We don't really know at all what he's going for. I, I insist I that, of course, it's our only declarations, and you you're on TV, on TV, and it's not that you can judge the the, the whole work. Only by what? Well, only because he says something uh, strange on TV. But when when he said we will play like this until June, he was not naming any player, but saying we will play like this because of the players I have. Mm. Uh, yeah, but also because he's not got the time to yes. to work with them. Um, Darren Paul asks, how good is Lisandro Lopez, and is it possible for Racing to keep a clean sheet? The answer to the second question is clearly no. Um, and the answer to the first question is yeah, very for for this level. At, he, at his age and this level, it's uh, he's showing even better for physical form than than, than Milito, who's similar age. Yeah. yeah. No, but, uh, how old? 34, 35, similar. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I thought Lisandro was was younger than um, than Milito. And I was going to say... Milito's like, definitely 35. Lisandro, oh, he's 33, in fact, Lisandro Lopez. He just turned 33 at the start of this month. Oh. So he is a bit younger. So, I mean, so, uh, I think the impact kind of we saw from Milito when he first arrived back from Racing, we're kind of seeing similar impact from Lisandro Lopez at this point. Mm. Yeah, indeed. Which I think is, uh, and also similar to what Tevez did when he first got back to Boca. Yeah dragged them over the finish line for the league championship and everything and now Tevez looks in some ways as if maybe Argentine um, 
I'd have to, let's say it. the local league's level of, of conditioning and of physical training has sort of caught up with him and he's lost that physical edge which he had and it, maybe that's what's happened with Milito as well you know like these players come back from he, Europe and they still got six months he, in their legs he looked like a player that he could go to Europe but he's not still has not a, a, not the explosion that is expected from him exactly um, Brana's boot asks a question which leads me to uh, believe that he's never actually been to Argentina. He asks, would stadia with old, dangerous terraces be shut down by the league? <laughs> no. <laughs> we apologise for laughing, but no, the short answer is no, very much no. Um, and if you come to Argentina and, and attend a few matches at various stadiums, you will see why we're laughing at that well, question. Every stadium is pretty dangerous by... Um European Independent is uh, brand new, Peter. <laughs> to be go, go, have a, go there, go there next time. I remember, I remember, I know it was a Polish or Danish uh, supporter that asked, asked us on Twitter that he how he could do to attend the match that it was at San Lorenzo, uh, as, uh, of course, uh, at San Lorenzo Stadium, and then go to the Racing or Independiente at Avellaneda, and with a very, very space of time between. Uh, oh, I seem to remember that, yeah. And, and, and Mariano, I think Mariano, because he's a Lorenzo supporter, said, no, no way, mm. you can't do that because it's dangerous, you won't be able to leave the stadium on time, there are no, sec- no security, no, it's nothing, no, no, no way. No, and that's before you get into the, the safety of the actual construction of these well, stadiums. Oh, was it Ferro who had a wooden stand? Ferro, uh, yeah, oh, they're, they're, apparently they're re-concreting. No, 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 no yeah, but that's the last time I remember when they actually had a wooden stand, which yeah, they said, yeah. okay, that isn't allowed. So oh, there's the oh, one, of our, one of our early episodes, the two dams, when, when Australian dam was still on, uh, talk about how they, they went to a federal game the previous weekend and were jumping up and down on the, on the wooden slats that formed the Popular. <laughs> And uh, I can't remember which one of them, but one of them lost his, his phone because it sort of jumped out of his pocket and fell down underneath <laughs> the popular. Um, so that's the kind of level that we're talking. And, and Ferro are now re-concreting theirs because they've realised it was an enormous safety the, the hazard. The famous Yeah. <laughs> to, to have a sort of 30,000-seater or capacity ground, which was made almost entirely of wood, uh, is quite a big fire hazard. Um, but no, there are a great many which are not particularly safe still. Uh, Luis Bessone asks, what does the esteemed panel, and also Sam, uh, make of Tata's hinchas del interior comment, and what was its context? I will explain this first, not least because most listeners aren't going to know what hinchas del interior means. Martino said earlier today, or possibly yesterday, but I think it was earlier today, um, that he didn't have any problems at all with playing in Cordoba in spite of the state of the pitch against Bolivia next week. Um, because there are more fans of the national team in the interior of the country than there are here in Greater Buenos Aires. Um, that was the context, basically. Yeah, he said something he was sticking along the fellow people in the interior because the I think the implicit the, the implication in the question that he was asked was, "Would you rather playing at the Monumental, where we know the pitch is half decent?" Um, well, Monumental pitch is not that good uh, too. Or, you know, no, well, exactly. I think he, well, he did go on to say though that um, people in Buenos Aires and, and in Rosario, he mentioned, are uh, much more uh, club focused exactly yeah. than they are uh, the national team. And, uh, and, uh, in Cordoba, they're going to get a, more of a welcome. Um, well, the interior is more fun. known for people being fun of also apart from football, 
cars, motor, uh, basketball, because they are in, in, in small towns and they have to travel to go and see and watch uh, some any sports and and they are glad to do it and, and so that's why they mm. they are glad to see players that usually only watch on TV and therefore to possibly, have them there. Yeah, therefore very possibly they're going to get behind the national team more than the players in Buenos Aires and obviously uh, all three of us I'm sure wish they were playing in the Monumental because I, I know that definitely I would have done and, and I suspect Peter would have done at least got a ticket if they'd been playing in the Monumental against Bolivia and gone along to see them because you know we don't get to see Messi and, and Di Maria and whatnot every week either on, on, in the flesh um, but the the people in Cordoba and well elsewhere Mendoza Santa Fe Rosario and so on get to see them even less and the more you go to the north more passionate people are of these these players yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mr. Numbers asks when and why did Argentine clubs start scoring so much? This is a question we've had every week so far this season. Why is it, gents? What's this week's version of our answer? Well, to have to have two matches in which you have eighteen goals, because Racing against Union against Rafaela were six three goals. Uh, when some in some points uh, during the the tournaments played with twenty teams, you have twenty goals for. For example, in some in some cases, in this case you had you had 18 matches in two match, 18 goals in two matches. Of course, different rounds, but hmm. uh, yes, it's uh, awful defenses and and, and it's possibly. I mean, we haven't suggested before, and I sort of poo-pooed the suggestion, but maybe there is something in the idea that it's one relegation spot at the end of the Apart season, that, yes. allowing teams to relax a bit more, um, possibly, but. Also, a more forward-looking generation of younger managers coming through. But this, that is—I mean, I wouldn't be that surprised. That is also weird because you have eight, eight, uh, as, as Peter said uh, before, eight, eight coaches fired with a, with a normal, normally quiet uh, tournament because only one go, will go to the to the national B. So it's it's strange, strange thing about the lot of goals because you. Well, we have to play more attractively, more offensively, because uh, we have more risk, because uh, uh, we have only one relegation, and in the other hand, eight coaches have been fired. So it's hard to understand so many things here. And the final question uh, is from Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, and says... I saw Sam tweet or mention it a while ago. Is there any Primera División Twitter account which is better than that of Belles Sarsfield? The answer is no, there isn't. Uh, no, if you want like almost hourly updates of their yoga classes, plan. That's that's the thing. It's, <laughs> it's so esoteric that I think it, it's like an accidental version of Betfair Poker in Spanish. Because they almost never tweet about football. They just tweet about the various classes that are available at Club Atletico Vélez-Sarsfield for their, their members. English classes, and as you say, origami or yoga yeah. classes or whatever. Uh, it's just, it's gloriously silly. Whereas a lot, you know, almost all the other clubs' Twitters almost completely ignore anything that's not football and just tweet about, oh, we're the best football team in the country and all the rest of it. And Vélez is, is, um, is a bit daft. There, there are a lot of silly Twitter accounts, but... One of but actual official club ones is the thing. Yes. Like, Velez's is the only one that just... Uh, yes, no, 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 it's official. obviously not deliberate either, though. They're, they're genuinely trying, but it comes across as just adorably mad. 
<laughs> yes, not not official. I think one of the silliest, uh, at least when they they appeared, uh, it was even sillier. The one that is the fun de auche. Uh, ah, yeah, fun de auche is, is very good if you're after yes. amusing. Um, although they've started getting a bit serious recently. Yes. Uh, the f- first tweets were comparing him with Cristiano Ronaldo, and he won the comparison, something like that. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's always. Uh, League goals scored in career, yes. big derbies won, and then goals against Defensi Justicia. Yes. Alche 3, Cristiano Ronaldo 0, winner is Gabriel Alche, or something. Um, that is it for this week, except for our predictions. Obviously, there is no mystical section this week as such, but I am now going to put the mystical theme music on anyway, and then all three of us are going to have a go at predicting Argentina's next two qualifiers. first thing to mention for this uh, special mystical section is that uh, last week Tom Robinson managed the spectacular feat of getting 10 out of 15 correct results, um, which means that he's managed to double what anybody else has managed so far this season. Tom is, is flying into first place for the possibly non-existent prize at the end of the rainbow, um, at the end of the championship. But uh, well done, Tom, on, on 10 out of 15. I'm slightly worried about how you managed to, to get that, but just try doing it in your own head for a few more weeks running and see whether you can do 10 each week. If you can do that, then we really will be impressed. Um, this weekend's predictions, as is traditional when we do international weekends, uh, I'm just going to ask all of our guests what they think um, for, for this week's games, predicting exact scorelines, please. And I'm going to go first. Normally I wait till last, but... Uh, I'll go first this week, and I will say that I think they're going to get... I'm going to go for a 2-1 win away to Chile, and a 3-0 win at home to Bolivia. I have to say the same. It's just... They are at least... I, will, I, have, I had some doubts about the goals against Bolivia, mm-hmm. but against Chile, I, I swear that before you you said your, your, your prediction for Chile-Argentina, I will think about the 2-1 victory. I'm tempted by a draw, but I think that they can edge it because of Chile's um, absentees. Yeah, exactly. I think that may... And let's not forget as well that this isn't San Paolo's Chile. This is Pizzi, Pizzi's first yeah. match in charge. They're not, they're not in a great uh, run of form. It's a new manager. It's a good opportunity to play them, even with Argentina, maybe equally... Play a few players missing and not in good form. I think. So uh, score lines? No, I think one nil or two okay. one would be a, a, a narrow and win. Against Bolivia, Santiago, and no, I think you want prediction of three nil. I, I don't think it's going to go crazy. Three nil Bolivia or yes, three three or four. Okay, but yes, that's it's the the pitch is the real. That's the, the thing. Other I mean, today they saw while we were recording. According, obviously we've got the television on on mute, but uh, the. The captions at the bottom of the screen uh, tell us that Luis Segura, the current AFA president, uh, was on television about 20 minutes or so ago claiming that the pitch is going to be 8 out of 10 next Tuesday. Yeah. Well, so today there were some forms. The AFA is saying it's 8 out of 10, that makes me think that the only person has sort of 5 out of 10. They released some photos today, and it was at least uh, at first sight, of course, better because they are having working, 
but the, uh, no one, I think no one was there to to, to put their feet on the Yeah, no, I would say that since all those photos were leaked, uh, you know, less than a week ago when they were doing all the repairs, yeah. that they've now, in the last couple of days, stopped people from taking photos of the, of the pit. <laughs> So, yeah, so maybe they're trying to shock the Bolivians by having a halfway play. So all that they, without, the without any photo, photographic evidence, they're now just telling everyone it's going to be great. Like, what I believe is, is to make, to, to make a matches to be played before Argentina is going to be there and with the state of the, of the pitch. How, how come? It's, that's just a, that is yeah. the most, even more incredible than this, how the pitch is right now. It's, to play matches like Belgrano Vélez and uh, before that, Tachere's Instituto was there, right? The, the classical... Yes, yeah, it was, yeah. That is more incredible even. No, and also... Not Actually, I have a feeling Tachere's Instituto might have been played on the, on the old pitch and then they ripped it all up the, the day after that game, but uh, I can't remember. But, so. I mean, I, I, just, I do think it's ludicrous that they decide, OK, we want to take the game out of Buenos Aires, we'll go to Cordoba. Quite a long time ago, a decision was made. And in the same time, they know in advance all of these matches that are scheduled to be played when. And also, the and concerts. Was it Iron Maiden? Yeah, Iron, Iron Maiden, Maiden played there just about <laughs> two weeks ago. So, and yeah, I don't know why it's out, but it's a sort of a surprise tone in my voice, which is misplaced. On that note, um, we will be back next week where we hope, of course, as ever, to be looking back over two successful matches for the national team. Um, there won't be any league games, so we'll be a much shorter episode, I would hope, next week than we have been this week. We are trying to make Underpod generally shorter uh, as a whole this year, but obviously this week, because with league stuff and national team, it's, it's been a particularly busy week to talk about, so we hope you've not minded listening to us witter on for nigh on the last hour and a half. Um, thank you very much, as ever, to listening for listening to us, um, dear listeners. And now... We're going to stop recording and run up to Plaza de Mayo and see whether we can catch sight of Barack Obama. Um, so it's goodbye from Andres. Goodbye. And from Peter. Goodbye. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye.